The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday, March 24th. You are listening to Good Morning New York. I am your host, Vince Rocco, and we are coming to you live from Blastoff Studios in Times Square, as always. Today is a very special day. It's our one-year anniversary here at Good Morning New York. I cannot believe how one year has flown by and how time has gone by. It's almost April. I was just telling somebody earlier in the control room, I don't even know. I'm still back at Christmas, so I'm thinking, <laughs> what, what is happening here? Where are we? I have our whole panel here today, but before that, I just want to get to um, – I remember you know, that phone call back in January of 2014. I was actually homesick. I had a fever. I had no voice. I just was not in the mood to talk to anybody, but the phone rang, and I said, you know what? I don't recognize this area code, so I'm safe. Nobody's calling to bug me for a real estate <laughs> transaction, so I'm going to answer the phone. Well, the rest is history. That phone call was from my executive producer, Jeremy Bornman, and he was on the other end pitching me to do a show, and I thought, are you kidding me? Me do a show? What's that about? I, <laughs> I know how to sell real estate. I don't know how to do radio, although I've always wanted to do it. I just never did it. So after the conversation, I agreed, and here we are one year later. So thank you, Jeremy, and thank you, um, everybody at Voice America. We'll talk about that a little later on. But you know what? I enjoy every minute of doing this. Uh, I've learned a lot in this past year. Uh, I think we have fun. I think we are informative. I think we try and get the best information out there that we can with regard to the New York real estate market and the national market from time to time. I also want to say thanks to my engineering staff here in New York, Josiah Hendler and Brad Comer in Phoenix. Without these guys, believe me. I would have no chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. My support staff, my dedicated intern, my publicist, Richard Lorenzen, again, without him, God no, God only knows, and my expert panel who is here with me today, Rachel Altshuler, Niall Lundgren, Parul Brombat, Ivy Ray, Phil Horrigan, Deborah Hoffman. I could not do this without any of them. So good morning, everybody, and welcome. Parul and good Ivy morning. are on their way, so they are not here yet, but they'll catch up with us in a few minutes. How is everybody today? Everyone. Good. Wonderful. Great. Everyone seems to be doing awesome. It's the one-year <laughs> anniversary, Vince. This is amazing. This is amazing. I mean, you know, I, I said it just a minute ago. I, I honestly sometimes don't understand where time goes, and I really don't. It's just flying by. The other thing, too, is I think this – we were talking about this a little bit off the air. The The real estate marketplace right now seems to be on fire very busy and very hot here in New York City. And, you know, we don't like to question why this happens because oftentimes, you know, we have slow periods or flat periods, whatever. But, you know, it goes from zero to 90 in, in like a day. So right now, I my business is extremely busy. I've got lots of listings, got lots of buyers, a couple of renters. So I struggle with wondering how do you get it all fit into one day? And I think that's probably, you know, one of the things we as brokers – you know, wonder sometimes you get out of bed, we fly out of bed, we fly out onto the street, we do our thing, we come home at night, Lord knows what time that is. But do we ever stop and think, how do we get this all done? 
because our business in real estate is really quite quite different than it's our typical never nine done. To five. It's never done. That's the the beauty of it and the overwhelming feeling that we all feel when you're a successful seasoned broker. You are never done. I come home and there are 30 to 40 things that I either forgot to do or need to do the next day. My calendars are filled with the most mundane things to do to remember to follow up with those little details for clients that are often missed when we're trying to do packages and negotiations. And what about from a personal perspective? I mean, I think sometimes I wonder, you know, you try and catch up with friends, you try and catch up with personal things, just simple errands from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I had a little bit of a dinner party in my house on Sunday. I worked all day <clears> from, I don't know, 11 to 3, 3.30, showing uh, a pretty high-priced buyer. Then I had to go to the grocery store. Then I had to come home and cook it all. Then I had to come oh, home and, you know, sit and, and have dinner parties. So that's all cool. But you wonder, you know, how do we do it? I just sometimes you know, don't I, know how we get it all done. I um, I sometimes find that you almost have to schedule in those type of things. You know, you have to schedule in your quote unquote fun time, schedule in your errands because in this business, there is always what seems like an overwhelming amount to do. There's always more you can do for future business, for current business. You could reach out to buyers, reach out to sellers. It never ends. And it could really, you know, in order to just stay present and in order to just like I guess get up every morning in order you have to schedule in these things like some downtime, do some errands, meet with friends, go out for dinner. You literally have to sometimes schedule it in. It's hard to be spontaneous, I think, in this business. No, I agree. And and well, there there is that spontaneity, but I think you do have to schedule. I know I I absolutely have to schedule everything in my calendar, whether it's personal or not. And I sometimes look at that calendar in the morning and think, ugh. You know, <laughs> nine items, six items, seven items. How am I going to get through this? Whether it's personal or business or a combination of all, it's like without that calendar. And thank God for these iPhones or whatever you use because I remember the days of writing everything down on paper and having to carry this big book around. So, Although the- what's interesting, Vince, is that on my slower days when I don't have anything in my calendar, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. Well, mm-hmm. that, see, this is what I said earlier before the show started with multitasking. <laughs> I would yeah. rather have – I complain yeah. about it, but yeah. if I don't have all yeah. those things to yeah. do, yeah. I'm in big trouble. Yeah, and because- then we do 47 things in 15 minutes and we're fine. Yeah, because I can't do – don't ask me to do one thing because one yeah. thing is not happening. It's just not going to happen. I think Rachel needs more coffee. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do too, actually. I've only had one cup today. <laughs> I, I think what it comes down to, especially our personal lives, is unfortunately if we're really successful brokers, we squeeze it in in between things. We were discussing earlier mm. that, yes, I am a Manhattan real estate expert, but I do live in New Jersey. And every morning I come in and except when I'm coming in early on a Tuesday morning from to be at Blastoff Studios at 9 o'clock, I could go around the, the George Washington Bridge traffic. So if I hear there's a huge backup to the bridge, I say, ah, quick grocery store run, quick post office run, quick dry cleaner run. And by then the traffic's gone. So – but we all do this. We do this with appointments. We do this with um, – any little thing, if we're in the middle of a board package and we just have to make copies or something, even though we have it scheduled, if an opportunity comes up like that, we jump on it. That's how we live. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because I live, everybody knows I live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So from this studio to my home at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night probably would take me five minutes to get here. So on Tuesday mornings, I always try to leave my house much earlier than I normally do because I just – don't want to get involved in missing a train or missing a cab and being late for the show, whatever. 
I usually leave my house at 7.20, 7.30. So, but, you know, being a New Yorker, it's because I like to be here way before 8 o'clock so I can prepare and have a cup of coffee and just get into the, the radio head. But, you know, <laughs> living in New York, and you can all agree to this, I'm sure, you come up with these taxi drivers that just make every hair on your head stand up straight or fall out. <laughs> okay, so this morning I get into a taxi cab and I tell them 52nd and Broadway. Okay, 52nd and Broadway. So what do I do? I get on my phone immediately, and I'm just doing my thing, and I'm answering emails and text messaging at you know, 7-something this morning. And I notice he's going from where I live on West End Avenue all the way across to Broadway. So I said, what are you doing? He said, um, you said, you want to go to Broadway? I said, well, I don't want to cross here. He said, well, where do you want to cross? I said, 65th Street. Well, it's too late. So now we're on 93rd <laughs> Street and Broadway, whatever. And, you know, in the morning with deliveries and trucks and people all over the place. And school and, buses. And school buses, thank you. And you're trying to maneuver through the traffic. <laughs> now, of course, my patience is wearing, I mean, completely thin. And the ride took 25 minutes because now he's, he sees that I'm irritated. So he's trying to go around and be a hero. And I'm like, don't drive fast. This is not what this is about. Don't do that. Just get off of Broadway. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Get off of Broadway. And he's, but you, you know, you, you try to make sense. And I'm thinking, you know, I have taxi issues most days of the week anyway, but because I live in these damn things. But it, it's what kind of decisions do these people make? <laughs> You know the traffic pattern better than I do, right? I'm just a customer. What do I know? But yet, if you don't tell them what to do, so 25 minutes later, I arrive on 52 and Broadway, and I think, I could have commuted in from Westchester on the railroad, <laughs> and I'm in a taxi cab. Lord knows, when you swipe that card, how much that costs. I mean, it's just insanity. I think just like buyers, you need to manage their expectations. So <laughs> when you jump in the cab, you, I have 12 minutes to get to my destination, and they know to... Take the best route. Well, yeah. I like I like they know the best there route. are a few savvy ones that say to me, So how do you want to go? Maybe they could read the tea leaves when they see me getting in the back seat. <laughs> this guy's gonna be difficult. And I'm not difficult. I'm just why do you, you don't make stupid decisions? It's like it's so easy. But so, that's why they don't sell real estate and we do. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be on top of those cabbies. You really do. Oh my god. I thought you were gonna say that you ended up on the east side. Yeah, I thought oh, so. I, too. Oh, because I've that, done that, that oh, happens yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh really? Oh, sorry about that. And you're trying to charge you for it. Well, you know what? My best cab story, I'll tell you one more cab story. The best cab story I have is I think it was last summer. I was I got in the back of the uh, the taxi and I'm sitting there and I'm on my phone and then I realized the sun was coming up. It was early in the morning, <laughs> so I wanted my sunglasses. So I reached in my bag. And I grab the case and I open the case, put the sunglasses on. And I do this with my dog, Jed, all the time. I, I close the case really hard because she jumps and she runs because she hears the, the, the bang sound. And she's yeah. like, ah, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, so I did this in the backseat of a cab thinking, OK, whatever. Click. And it, it, it sounded like a, a gunshot. <gasps> well, the cab driver screeched on the brakes. Someone shot at us. Oh, my God. What is that noise? Whoa. He went bananas. He swerved and almost hit a parked car on the side of the street. And I said, well, I'm not going to say on the air what I said, but what is wrong with you? He said, well, what was that noise? It sounded like somebody shot at me. I said, it's my eyeglass case. No one shot at you. That's how that morning started. I think I put it on Facebook because I really I was I was kind of stunned by that. I thought, really? Somebody shot at us? And he swerved over to the side of the road and almost hit a parked car. If I didn't yell, he would have hit the car. Wow. So I thought, do you think the bullet came from the left or the right? Clearly from the left because you swerved right. Uh-huh. Dodging. You live to tell the tale. I'm living to tell the tale. Oh, God. Listen, all, all these years as a New Yorker, I mean, you know, we can all write books. 
and someday I'm going to write a book. And it's New York Lifestyle. That's all it's going to be, New York Lifestyle, because that you don't have to have a specific topic <laughs> because it covers everything, right? This is what I think. How about a, how about a book on open house experiences? I, I bet yeah. we could do that collectively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could do a show. Yeah. Open houses this weekend, by the way, in New York City seemed robust, very busy. I was out on the east side with a buyer, um, $3 million buyer, and there were a lot of people out looking at two, five to $3 million this week in New York City. So I'm hoping that that's the beginning of the real spring season where we're starting to get, you know, some heavy attendance again because for a couple of months it was a little slow with the holiday, with the cold weather. This winter that just never stops. I mean, today itself was 27 degrees yet again. Um, but did you all see the same thing, whoever was participating in open house? Did you see it busy? Um, but we did have some some feed issues with Street Easy and whatnot. So. Uh, technology problems. Said, yeah, there, there was there was some technology issues this weekend. But that being said, it seemed slow in general at the building that I have that I was at. So I was running. I was running an open house. That's a really important point because I feel like we all rely on the website mm-hmm. to understand what we need, and then all of a sudden you have these glitches. Right. And I think it's we forget. We were talking about putting in calendars. I think one of the things in the calendar before Sundays is maybe Thursday, Friday to make sure yeah. Street Easy and other you know websites yeah. are updated with the accurate information. And it's crazy because this was a new listing and it didn't it didn't feed right. So initially there were some square footage issues. Then I went you know and made all the changes that were necessary and talked to the right people to get that corrected throughout all sites because obviously that's a legality issue. Yeah. And then the open house wasn't showing up and I knew that by Thursday night. And we tried to fix it Friday. We tried to fix it Saturday. And it just, you know, sometimes it is what it is. And then you have to make do with what you have. I've noticed also sometimes that the New York Times feed from a new listing uh, out is not catching right away. And I had that problem this Uh. week as well. So that I I wonder if they're just not updating feeds as quickly as they used to. That's what I wondered. And I'm not quite sure if it is. I spoke the um, head of the digital New York Times real estate is a close friend of mine. He used to be at my former firm. Oh, I'll be calling you when stuff. I need it. Exactly. <laughs> yes, and I yeah. spoke with him yesterday. And he said, no, it's the companies that each have a different kind of feed and it feeds into New York Times differently. And I remember at my previous company, ah. there were about six of us who sat together and we formulated, after doing a lot of research, a schedule of when each individual uh Website that everyone uses, New York Times, OLR, Shows uh, Taxi Limo, mm-hmm. Street Easy, updates for the weekend. Right. The last possible time you can update because most of them, except for Taxi and Limo, which are Element and Corcoran's in-house sites, mm-hmm. everything updates at a certain time for the last time for the weekend on a Friday. Ah, so that uh, was so you have to bear that in mind. Okay, so but that's you why can manually go into Street Easy and change. Now things. you can. You can. can. If you're a Street well, Easy yes. pro. Yes, yes. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you do that, it then messes up the the feed with other outlets. So in other words, um, I don't know about what everybody else uses, but um, we use Real Plus. And if you're feeding it through Real Plus and then you go make change in Street Easy, it's like a world of a nightmare. So you can't Mm -hmm. do it that way. All right, everybody. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to come back and discuss (laughs) the wish list of buyers and sellers with our panel. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're going to talk about some of the wish list items that are both on the seller's side and on the buyer's side. And on the renter side, when we talk about real estate, not only here in New York, but around the world. All right, so the age-old rent versus buy question. What do we say to a prospective buyer who'd like a three-bedroom in a doorman building that is wondering if they can afford to buy an apartment like the one they currently rent in New York? I mean, the first thing I usually say is it doesn't exist. What do we say to people with that How kind of How much money do you have? How much are you I'm looking sorry. to put down? Yeah. Well. I mean, that's that boy is at the first place I go. I'm sorry. And if it's a co-op or a condo, how much do you have left over after you get financing and after you put down your down payment? Big time. Well, I guess yeah. the apple to apples comparison on this question would be, though, whatever they're spending monthly now, right? And then, of course, the down payment is a relevant issue. But if they're looking at, should I should I purchase something instead of renting at this current price, then I think the relevant factor becomes sort of what amount they're spending and if they're willing to go up at all or if they want to make sure that apples to apples. And, and then at that point, you also talk about the after-tax effects because there's some tax effects exactly. to buying. Exactly. Mm. So after, at the end of the year, you get a lot of taxes, uh, a lot of tax savings. Right. So. And the other thing I talk about is just investment value long-term. I mean, you can't just quantify it on a monthly basis. So. Yeah, I do find, though, that a lot of people who are mm. currently renting try to back into that monthly rental number, as you said, mm-hmm. Barul, because that that's what their they're, thought process. That's their sure. thought process. That's what they're comfortable. That's what they're used to paying. And if I can get something and own a piece of the rock and not have to spend much more than that monthly rent, that's going to be okay. So sometimes it's it you can figure that out, and sometimes it's a big challenge. I've, yeah, I also find my experience to be quite the contrary. So, you know, so you have that a lot. And then you also have people that have decided to rent for a number of years. They're living on the down low. They're living in a smaller place. They didn't quite even care about getting something that is their palace. And they're saving, I want to use a cuss word, loads, beep, loads of money. <laughs> and, um, and then they're willing. You know, they've done this for quite some time. And now they're ready to step into a different lifestyle. And they're ready to double their monthly. And, that you know, so there's also that. 
Here's one. A buyer says, I've got $60,000 for a down payment on an apartment in New York. Again, everybody wants to own a piece of the rock here in town. Ideally, they want a one-bedroom, but he's open to a studio as well. I know that a lot of co-ops want buyers to put at least 20% down and sometimes up to 50%, depending on building or neighborhood or more. How do I find a co-op that's more lenient or can I afford to buy a condo with this budget? You can afford a condo in an emerging market. You can do a sponsor co-op unit. Unfortunately, $60,000 is just not enough to do the post-closing liquidity for most of the co-ops, which make up, what, 80% of the market. So unfortunately, the answer to that is got to go for a condo. Um, in, and we all know what the emerging markets are. Um, and what Brooklyn size, and apart- Queens what and, size mm-hmm. apartment are we talking about, though, with that Usually kind of a, a studio, maybe a junior one. Um, you can maybe find that in Harlem, Hamilton Heights. You know, we all know the areas that we would take them to. There's and like tell the top audience, 10. Tell yeah. the audience what a junior one is. Junior one, Ivy, is, <laughs> is a one-bedroom convertible. So um, if it's an alcove studio, someone put a wall up. If it's a dining area, someone put a wall up or sliding doors. But typically, to legally call something a junior one, it should be 8 by 10 with a window. And a closet. I, ideally, Actually, correct. not a closet. And, and ventilation. Ideally, yeah. yeah. Not like a closet. A, Is that what you're saying? It's not required. It's, Deborah, yeah. let me ask you something. Yeah. Post-closing post, um, post uh, closing liquidity. So how, how, how do you work around folks who don't have a lot of after cash, uh, cash after closing in a co-op? What are the, some of the workarounds that we can recommend to buyers if they don't have that cash liquid or at all in their accounts after they close? Well, the first thing is working with a great broker like the panel we have sitting here, because (laughs) what the brokers will know is which buildings allow a co-purchase, possibly with a parent or a grandparent, sometimes with a sibling. It's rare, but I had that a couple years ago. Um, They will also allow, they will know which buildings allow guarantors, Mm -hmm. which we find in rentals all the time, but many buildings don't allow. And you were speaking about the buildings that only allow 50% financing. Most of them don't allow any of this. You have to purchase it at your own and have the liquidity. So we sitting here and other great brokers have the access and the knowledge to know which buildings to suggest to you. So if the client comes to us and says, I love this building, I always wanted to be there, we would sit down and say, well, let's have the talk about the financial requirements. And I'm not looking into your background yet, but this is what they require. Yeah. And we can't change it. This is why I was getting at it because, you know, ideally, if you don't have that much to spend on a purchase price, a co-op obviously makes the most sense because the prices are going to be a lot lower. But what buyers don't necessarily understand is that post-closing liquidity that is absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. I'm going through that right now where we had to get gift money from parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, in addition to that, some liquidity from uh, a stock account, you know, so uh, where there were no penalties. So you got to kind of create that financial statement that looks really good to a co-op board uh, because if you don't do that, it's just not going to happen because the cash afterwards. And the other problem with these buildings sometimes is you don't know exactly what they're looking for after closing cash-wise. So the the general rule of thumb is what, two to three years in maintenance and mortgage Combined. Even if you're not financing, because people say, well, I'm not Even financing, not so finan- only, yeah, only maintenance, but no, it's, mm-hmm. it's both. In fact, I think sometimes they look at more closely when you are buying all cash. Yeah. On the heels of talking about junior ones and, and convertibles, why is the class, we talked about this a couple of months ago on the show, why is the Classic Six such a covetable mm. apartment here in New York? I mean, it's obviously one of my favorite style apartments. I wish I had one, but why is a Classic Six and what about that style apartment is so appealing? It's a home. 
Go ahead, everybody. It's pre-war. It's a home. I could say so much, but I'm already talking a lot. I mean, it's a pre-war. So what do we have? Two bedrooms. You have two bedrooms. And generally a third. A maid's room. And it would be off of the kitchen. And that's a maid's room, often with a bathroom. There's a full dining room. Mm. It's a home. But it's also not priced as a three-bedroom. Yes. So that's the key. It's priced as a two-bedroom, just a little bit of a premium. Mm -hmm. And that's why, I mean, along with the pre-war details throughout, of course. But it's really pricing, I think, too. Mm -hmm. And for people who need that third bedroom but can't Mm -hmm. afford the price of a third bedroom, because it significantly jumps from a classic six or two bed to to a three bed, uh, it's the alternative. I've had friends who have had kids grow up in that maid's room. Uh, sure. Very happily, you yeah. know, and, and, and close to the kitchen, so it's great for, you know. <laughs> sneaking young, in and out. Sneaking in and out and getting, you know, uh, eating snacks, <laughs> whatever. There's the door outside the apartment. There's oh, my God. I know. Then there's, yeah. then there's the other door sneaking right. out of the apartment, exactly. Yeah. But, That's so a big one. It's, the fire door. It's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I have one of those doors on my kitchen, too, out to the back staircase, but I don't have a maid's room. Anyway, top floor living is very appealing to buyers. What about bottom floors? Everybody always, you know, when you when you start out with buyers, they want high floors, they want views, they want whatever. What about bottom floors? And I hear in, in my research this week, and it's interesting because I've always liked the Masonette, but I hear that the Masonette is making a comeback. What what how do we, you know, why is that? And how do we compare higher floors to lower floors? What's what's um, the deal with this? I would say like what I mean, if there's two pros that I would put to Maisonettes is uh a lot of them have high ceilings and many have great Body outdoor oh. Yeah, and then there's a lot of great outdoor space. <clears throat> so for buyers that want those things and may even be somewhat unrealistic on what they can and cannot afford. Uh, I think that that's a good alternative for somebody who's really stuck on outdoor space or high ceilings or certain features that they really can't afford on a higher floor. Um, the the downside is for me personally, I think I have a psychological issue with being on the first floor, like where people are walking in and out of the, I don't know why it just bothers me. And the, I think the other more reasonable reasons are, you know, people are worried about rodents sometimes mm-hmm. and also low light. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people also who wish to live in a townhouse and can't afford the the, the price of a townhouse would, you know, go to a masonette type mm-hmm. uh, apartment because you do have that exterior entrance to your apartment mm-hmm. if you wanted to not go through the doorman. So there's a lot of that, plus the outdoor space, as you mentioned. Plus people with pets, wheelchairs, um, you know, older people who don't want, even for whatever reason, a higher floor, especially if they're living in a walk-up and want to make a change. Um, so there's certain, there, you know, there's something for everyone, I think, in this town. And I think that, you know, it's matching the right buyer to those. Um, but, it, you know, they definitely come, I think, with, you know, Pros and cons. Yeah, I think it's a big one for people with dogs. Mm -hmm. And it's a very big one for people that have a a need, a desire, an absolute need for nature. Because if you – I've lived – I've owned homes with big decks – I've owned, I've had apartments with gardens. I've had, I'm the big one for nature mm-hmm. and it ch- absolutely changes your life because mm-hmm. you are, and people say, I've heard you say it, don't buy an apartment or don't rent an apartment for the outdoor space because mm-hmm. it's two months a year. But if you're a person who loves that, mm-hmm. I'm outside all fall and I'm even outside there, b- believe it or not, meditating with a blanket over my head and my parka on and I barbecue 365 days a year unless it's pouring. If, if I had outdoor space, Ivy, I would be one of those too because you don't I'm have done. that oh much of that Oh my God, it's, it And I grew up in the life. country and I love it. It changes your and life. And then the only other thing I want to say really quickly is that I found after Sandy, 
that it really cracked the minds of a lot of people that love the high floors, that love the views and the light. And so do I in a very big way. But boy, did it change it for a lot of people, especially people with dogs and children. You were going stairs. down 20 flights of stairs. And let's face it, Sandy or the like can come again. And it doesn't have to be Sandy. We, you know, they're really concerned about the grids in New York City. We could have blackouts, brownouts. If you're on the top floor, you're, you, you're, you're sunk. You are <laughs> doing it. So a lot of people. Listen, move low. the only other point I want to make about high floors versus low floors and what people sometimes don't understand outside of New York is on the higher floors here in town, you're paying a premium for that height, for that light, as Perul said, and for the views. Because in New York, you know, high floors, you get spectacular views of the cityscape, the city, you know, line, whatever. Uh, and that's important to some people. Some people, it does not make a difference, but to others, it does. So when you're out there shopping for apartments in New York, keep in mind that the higher you go, the more expensive it's going to be. So if you're looking at your apartment as a long-term investment, are you correct to assume a building with an elevator is your best bet? In Manhattan, will a lack of an elevator shrink your pool of interested buyers should you sell, should you decide to sell at some point after you've lived there for a while? The old elevator controversy. Yes and no, because I've sold a lot of walk-ups. And if it's a second-floor walk-up, then people are not so worried about it. Even people who are a little older or think, well, I'm an athlete if I hurt an ankle or something, it's one flight. It's like living in a house that's one flight. When we're talking about a fourth floor, uh. sometimes you can get a skylight, which is quite nice, and then you have your nature, but it's the fourth floor. <laughs> I recently heard seven, seven flights, and I'm like, who in the world would walk up seven flights of stairs multiple times a day? I mean, I know it exists, but it's wow. But that's, mm -hmm. those are very few and far between yes, because the building codes from the early 1900s cut off walk-ups by six, six, six floors. I was going to say six yeah. floors, yeah. 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 There, that must be landmarked there. or something. There's some seven floors out there. There are. Yeah. There are wow. a few of them out there. And it, well, even six floors. I mean, I can't even imagine six floors, let alone you – know. I was on the sixth floor at St. Mark's in Second. We had, a, we had this tiny little <clears> apartment <throat> that was one of those New York gyms where you pay like $115 a month. Yeah, of course. It was Unbelievable how cheap it was, but let me tell you, man, there were a lot of days and late nights where I was not happy with those six flights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shopping bags and luggage. Oh, and forget it. And I delivery. forgot something at the store and have to go back again. And you, oh, no. and you tip your delivery men twice. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, I know somebody who lives on one yeah. of these high floors and says he meets the delivery people halfway down because he feels bad about them having <laughs> to walk all the way up. That's good sweet. Friends, That's generous. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. All right, we have to take a break. We are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back with Rachel Altshuler, Niall Lundgren, Perul Brombat, Ivy Ray, Phil Horrigan, and Deborah Hoffman, and we're talking about some wish list items, I guess, for buyers and sellers and renters. So question for you guys, with the Hudson Yards construction now really in full swing, and if you're up and down you know, 11th Avenue and such, the traffic is incredible. Is Hell's Kitchen now becoming a better buy than ever before? I mean, Hell's Kitchen has been great uh, and has gentrified nicely, but is it becoming even more popular or hot these days with the Hudson Yards development really in full swing where you can really now see what's going to happen there over time. Yeah, I think that that's been on the up and up for a little while now. And I was actually reading on the AM on my way over here this morning that the seven train line Mm -hmm. is uh, is delayed until July now. Um, so, uh, you know, July of this year. Yeah. Okay. So the, the opening of it. So I think the seven train is going to have a, a, a huge, it's going to play a huge factor yeah. in the development <laughs> over there. Um, I think that there's probably going to be more delays because that's just kind of what happens with, uh, the MTA, but, you know, getting in now and, and looking in that area, I think could be a very lucrative investment for I a long term play. Yeah. I really think it's going to be, I mean, I think the high line and what happened to West Chelsea is a really good comparison, mm-hmm. but I think people don't even realize like how much bigger this is. It's bigger than the High Line comparison because those there were restaurants and businesses that came in voluntarily piecemeal. Hudson Yards, I mean, it is all planned in. I mean, they are literally building a neighborhood, you know? So A city. For, yeah, it, yeah, it really is. It really yeah, is really building like a, a city. city. Yeah. It really is. And I think that, you know, for anybody who doesn't know what's really going on there, I mean, just a quick search on related or anywhere is pretty yeah. impressive. Um, it's, so I think that it's going to really change the West side and especially that sort of no man's land that none of us, I think really pay attention, have paid attention historically in trying to sell to our buyers. I mean, right now I would sell anything in all of those neighborhoods surrounding because the whole area is completely yeah. going to be transformed. I have the several deals list- won't last for long. No, they won't. No, it's no, just, no. People think, oh, wait, I can, I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, right now, with your right now, let's go meet yeah. with the developers. Let's get it's yeah. all of those streets up and down the neighborhoods, as Carol yeah. was just <laughs> saying that the, the real estate there is going to be so untouchable in just a few years. Yeah. So whatever oh. anybody can grab. Yeah. I showed something over there in the 30s, maybe a year or so ago. He didn't pick that apartment in particular, but. You know, I kind of told him he should have because the the investment over time would be far greater than the one he chose. But whatever. But in in Hell's Kitchen, though, I have several listings right now going on, um, and I can't even for myself. I can't believe the price per square foot how high it's jumped. Yeah, and doesn't and people that do only not the beginning. See- but people don't seem yeah. to be concerned with it. I mean, yeah. they, they're just looking open house. Like I said, this Sunday was was yeah. kind of crazy busy. But you know, the price per square foot in that area, that neighborhood that used to always be such a, you know, I guess I'm old enough in this town, a blown out battlefield. Totally. It just oh, amazes me. Yeah. So nasty. Terrible. Now, what did you find? Lo- <laughs> just, to, just to clarify, I love it today. It's just, I remember the days back when oh, so it was, you couldn't even walk past 8th at 7th Avenue, then 8th Avenue, then 9th Avenue. Now we're on 10th and 11th. It's like, really? What is that about? Yeah. So how do you find the price p- compared to, uh, say, you did the wholesales in 505. Yeah. You were the king of that building. What 505 you, what for the audience? West 47th Street. Very good. 
What are you finding? Because you knew the you know the neighborhood so well, having done a that's couple where Vince and I met. That's exactly where we met Pro- <laughs> the hot sauce man. Where she killed yes. me in, in negotiations. I keep saying that on the oh, radio. She's okay. <laughs> but she did. She won. But the point is. <laughs> The point is the price per square foot in that building, because I have listings in that building, has increased tremendously uh, over the last – we completed that building three years ago, 2011, four years ago. So Completed by meaning you, f- you sold, sold everything. Sold out. So what was the price per square foot then? You know, when anywhere from 900 to about 11, 1050. Oh, really? 900 to 1050. Now we're, now we're at 1314, and it's in a couple of cases, $1,500 a square foot. Oh. Whoa. Wow. This is not a new development anymore. It's four what? years old. So oh you have to sit back and think yep. to yourself, wow, these people, first of all, made a great investment. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of thought it would, you know, be that way. I told my buyer it was going to be like that. I'm glad we, we were right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, absolutely. but oh, when you're talking outrageous. $1,300 a yeah. outrageous. it's outrageous. And I know yeah. that building. Fourteen and 1500 a square yeah. foot for, for 505 yeah. And again, I'm saying off of 10th Avenue in Midtown West where, you know, historically people would say, well, you know, yeah. that might be a third choice of hoods if I can't come up with what else I want. Now yeah. it's really primary. Yeah, for First sure. First choice. And going back to the Hudson Yards thing, um, the amazing thing is so I just listed something on uh, 42nd Street at the Ryan um, the zoning uh-huh. for the schools and whatnot, I don't know how far up it goes, but it goes up past 42nd. So the Orion is now part of the zoning district of Hudson Yards for for oh many, many, many oh, things. And I think that. that that is such a big selling point that I don't know how to market because I can't say that in anything. No. And yet it's such a big selling point. I know. Um, it really is a wow. huge selling point. But unfortunately, we were restricted by yes. our uh, fair housing rules. And I well, I was out with a buyer this weekend. And we're looking in a particular school district. And again, I get queasy when when that comes up because I know they want a specific school district, but I can't really go on and talk too much about that. So it's no, a very fine line about where we can go. And my response is do the research, tell me the street you want to live on, and I will find the apartment for you because I you know, we just can't I, go I, I will send them websites. Yeah. So you can website, send them the right, right? website and say, look at all of this yeah. material, and right. then you make the decision and yeah. you tell me where you want to live. That's and it exactly could change right. because I did that Absolutely. with a buyer a little while, well, a few years ago, yeah. and they redistricted oh, districted well, that's on the east side, yeah, right. and mm-hmm. the line was now across the street. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, no. my. So, and the school yeah. he was in was brand new. They were opening it, oh, so God, there were no, no test scores yet. It has since turned into a good school, but... You never thank, know. There was thank a buyer you for your housing loan. There was a buyer that sued a broker for that. I'm sorry, what? Uh, there was a buyer that sued a broker yes, I remember that. for oh. telling them where the school district was, and yeah. it changed by like a block or by yeah. a half a Well, that's why we have these. got to be really careful. That's why we have these rules today because yeah. we've got to be very careful yeah. with that. Yeah. And that's true. I do remember that story yeah. for sure. All right, many buyers are afraid the cost of an apartment with river or park views will be out of their budget. How much of a premium do we attach to Parkview apartments or Riverview apartments? Again, for the listening audience out there who doesn't necessarily understand the landscape of Manhattan, you know, Park Views, Central Park Views or Hudson River Views or East River Views are the rage. And if you can get it, if you can afford it, great. Why? Someone once told me, they said, uh, there's two guaranteed views in New York City. A park view, if you have like, if you're right on the park, you're pretty much guaranteed to always be on the park. And the second one is a wall view. (laughs) If you have a wall view, you're always guaranteed to have a wall view. Oh, that's um, but I think the the I think the, um, the the percent difference really depends. It really depends. But I mean, I, I sometimes use specific numbers, and if there's a huge view break 
of the park. It can be 20%, 25%. I mean, it can really, it can mm-hmm. really jump up. But a lot of it depends. Is it protected? Is this a view that's going to be there? For the future, is there a chance that a building will go up in front of you? There are a lot of different factors that brokers have to take into account. Well, I think a lot of people think, though, that the park view or the river view is absolutely protected because you're not going to build in Central Park and you're certainly not going to build in one of the rivers. Right. (laughs) But I always say to my buyers because, you know, like just like anything else, when you're searching for something, you don't find it. Or if they want X, you're going to find Y. So I always say to a park view person and a river view person, just keep in mind that at night when you come home from work – and you're in your apartment and you look out your window, what are you going to see? Dark. Right. <laughs> you're not going to see your park and you're not going to see your river. When you're home on Saturdays and Sundays, right. you're going to see your park and your river. When you're getting, you know, brushing your right. teeth in the morning and you want to look at the river or the park, you're going to see that. But most of the time when you spend it at home, it's going to be dark. But, you know, 50% of the time the people will say, oh, wow, Vince, that's right. You know, that's pretty good. Okay, let's let's reconsider that. And the other 50% will say, I still want my view. Right. Yeah. Well, and here's, right. Although, you know, and here's the truth about that. 50% is that um, park views traditionally have in, uh, have appreciated by 156% more mm-hmm. than any other apartment mm-hmm. in yeah. Manhattan. And this is park view. I haven't looked up the statistics on river views, but I know that. That's fair. That's yeah. Fair. yeah. So, so, you know, the, yeah. It ultimately, they're that, yeah, extraordinary. Exactly. exactly. You know, there's nothing I like it. I mean, there's nothing like a central park view. I mean, obviously, said. it's the best. I have a couple friends that have the ones that are like, oh, my God, views. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been in the buildings forever and they own and they've got like, you know, big portions of the top floor of the, the blueprint of the building. And at night. So, you know, just to say, if you're looking at Central Park, You've got, yes, all that, in a sense, vast of darkness in the middle. And then you've got all of East Manhattan. Oh, it's yeah. a yeah. skyline. Is beautiful. I mean, it's really the skyline. It's amazing. Oh. And, and oh not God. only that, don't forget the little tiny lamppost that oh, line all, all the little in the trails park. in the park. Yeah, it's, they twinkle, uh, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Incredible. It really is. She <laughs> posts her view. 365 days a week. Well, there you go. A year. <laughs> she's a show-off. <laughs> she's a big show-off. She's quite redundant. Yes, she's yeah. quite she redundant. She just love the view. And I just live there. I go. It's like my second home. So. In my apartment, I have what's called the broker's view of the river, of the of the, um, the Hudson. <laughs> oh, you have you to, have like, to sort of, you know, it's a little, turn. But, but when I'm laying in bed, though, I can see right out the window, and I, I look at the, the whole river. It's absolutely beautiful. But at the end of the day, you know, at night when it's dark, I see New Jersey. Uh-huh. Skyline. And then I'll see a, a, a boat go by every once in a while that has lights on. So it's kind of interesting. Nice. So listen, Can you see the sunset, Vince? Can you see the sunset? I, if I'm looking out that direction, I can see the nice, sunset. Right? Brilliant, yeah. It's the first time I have that view. Yeah, and it's, like, it's wow, really beautiful. It's a game changer. Well, guys, I have I to plug it. this because it's like I've been sitting on this for the last five minutes of this conversation. But my listing has a view <laughs> facing south <laughs> from the 43rd floor. She went there. I just went there. Tell it's us where so, it is. Th- speaking of views, oh, this place is at the Orion. At the Orion, okay. And the view is of the Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, Freedom Tower, and all of South Manhattan. I mean, it's a one-bedroom apartment for $1.4 million. It is spectacular. Like, the view is so insane. She so went so. there, but you know what? That sounds <laughs> I'm going to go there. Yes. Please bring okay, your so I'm buyers. Let's do another <laughs> deal speaking out of, of this group. No, speaking of parks, I'm getting a listing, a two-bedroom facing the park, and I went to my manager, yeah. who's an extraordinary human being. If you're listening, I love you. Um, he, I just said, you know, this is what I'm going to price it. If you look online, there's only two or three. Yeah. Inventory is so low, literally. I feel like there's always two or three yes. <laughs> when mm. you do a search. And so I told him my pricing recommendation, and he said, add a million. And I went, 
No. Wow. Yes. I sounded like you. No. <laughs> and I, I actually did some more research, and I realized we can probably ask that. It's kind of amazing. From three or four years ago, oh yep. he God. went up uh, probably 20%. It's amazing. In a co-op. This mm-hmm. is a co-op, not a condo. Where is it? Wow. Where's your listing? I will let you know. Central Park West. As we reported at the beginning of this year, the co-op market, and you know this, the co-op market mm-hmm. has increased significantly has. You know, compared to where it was just a year ago yeah. compared to the, the condo incredible yep. Uh, prices. It's, yep. it's out of control. Yep. A buyer is in the market for a newish one-bedroom condo in Manhattan but doesn't want to pay extra common charges every month for amenities that they don't use. I would like a doorman, but I'm not interested in a pool, gym, or other fancy stuff. What are their options? Are there options out there for that? There's still some. I mean, mm-hmm. you could always find a building that has a tax abatement. Well, that, they're just about over with, now, though. That'll help with the, the common just charges. About, but they're just about over because <clears throat> I forgot the year, but the tax abatement law stopped. At 2010. We, yeah, 2010. so we only have a couple more years for the tax abatement to be there. And but the developers are finding up. creative ways yes. with these 80-20 buildings now yeah. that they can lower yep. the taxes. But I think, Not only that, they they've bought tax rebates from like the Bronx and correct. whatnot, and are applying it to buildings here. They're becoming very creative. They're getting or they have fifteen or twenty five years, and you still have buildings. an abatement. If we're on looking it, for so. a bargain, you're not going to yeah. find it. And, yeah. and the thing is, yeah. the abatement is a temporary fix, right? Yes. I mean, it still doesn't take away from somebody who really just does not want to pay for those. And you know, our buyers can become sticklers, so that's a great way of trying to get around that objection. Yet at the same time, um, you, I mean, I think it's a valid point because there's very few new developments that are coming up um, that are larger doorman buildings that don't also have a high amenities package. Yes. And a lot of times the buyers that I've worked with have said, oh, I don't want those amenities. And then you you, know, you kind of take them around, you're educating them, you show them a, a property that has it, and then they fall in love with it. They're like, right. you know what? Yeah. I didn't really want that, but look at this. There's a right. pool, there's a solarium, there's, yeah. there's everything that you bowling can want. Alley. The bowling yeah. alley, concierge, yeah. rock climbing wall. They're like, all right, I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> and Vince, there's also the other, you know, the other vibe, a very much of a New York thing where you've got a lot of it in Tribeca. You've got a lot of it in the West Village, and then you've got some of it in Soho where it's not amenity rich, if anything at all, maybe a roof deck, maybe not. But, and you've got a doorman, but then you've got more like, you know, 20 loft <laughs> units. Is it new development, you've got though? Th- no. Yeah. I mean, you were not only talking about tax abatement. You were talking about doorman versus... Just in general. Oh, just in general. general. Yeah. Okay, yeah. in general. The so there's that whole general. lifestyle, man. There's a, you know, and, and some of us tend to sort of be... What's the term? Specialize in that. So, you know, I know yes. those buildings are Love awesome, those. man. Yeah. We have to take a break, everybody. We'll be right back after these messages. I think... The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. Uh, our last segment. So yes and no to these these questions. Is it possible to find a three-bedroom in any neighborhood under a million three today, three bedrooms under a million three in any neighborhood. Is it possible? Yes. 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 I would say Lower East Side for sure. Oh, sorry. Lower East Side for sure. Um, gosh, I saw something there fairly recently. A few pockets really of the far, Upper East. Really far, far east. east on the Lower yeah, East Side. That I would imagine. Referring to? There's oh, yeah, like yeah, some... yeah. Like those buildings. The, the ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. What, size, what size apartments are we talking about? Because I, I, I get that. And there's yeah. some walk-up buildings, as we talked about before. They are Far East uh, and probably still further north and on the West Side. But what size apartments are we talking about? We, we, we can make three bedrooms out of this room if you wanted to. It might be a 1,300 square foot apartment. Yeah. I mean, they get oh, okay. a 1,000 square foot okay. over there, That's I think. Fine. I mean, look, condos, you're not getting that, but a, no. but a co-op, you can Yeah, there's that. like there's a East stuff. Broadway yeah. and whatnot. Exactly. There's like that whole entire area. Yes. And that Brands. is actually going yep. to start doing oh, better. You know so I think that is... I don't love the way those buildings look aesthetically, but I think the, that's actually a great investment at mm-hmm. those price points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're building a huge yeah. park over there, so that yeah. whole Lower East yeah. Side oh, area is going to transform. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pushing buyers and, for there yeah. and also the West Mid- and, Midtown line. Yeah, and yeah. then believe it or not, it's the rest of Harlem is not not in that price range any longer, but there's little pockets, little pockets. Hamilton Heights, um, you know, that's what I was North thinking. Yeah. Um, and Washington Heights, Washington, yeah, Washington Heights, Heights and Inwood, which is still a For little sure. iffy because people don't know it's there mm-hmm. yeah. and it is, but it's still on two subway lines. And it's really peaceful, it. actually. It's, it's really green peaceful. and it's really it peaceful. Is. Some brokers I know live it's there. It's a peaceful yeah. enclave. Yeah. A very peaceful enclave. So is Queens the new Brooklyn? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I think Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn's always Brooklyn. I'm partial to Brooklyn. I don't know I the zip code. I, I don't know. Actually. I don't know Queens. I love Brooklyn. I don't know. One one four three five. I don't know it very well. There you go, Rachel. Ooh, ooh. I don't know it very well either. But does does the movement continue in Long Island City and in Astoria and you know what what's that other neighborhood? Bridgewood. Yeah, thank you. Bridgewood by the L train. So yes. I, I guess if you're on the on that line, mm-hmm. you're going to go pushing it, right into. Yeah, keeps getting further and further out on the L for okay. sure. Uh, can I buy an amenity-rich studio for $350,000 uh, in Manhattan in a very luxurious building? <laughs> studio 350, mm, amenity-rich? No. No. Amenity-rich? Probably no. not. We get a no. Isn't that something? I agree no. with that. You nope. get a no. Yeah, tough. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no, but it's tough. Yeah. They're going to be calling you. Have fun. What amenities something... do you really need? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I don't need any amenities. That's I am not the an question. amenities. I mean, come on, you don't really need amenities. <laughs> Guys, come on. You can find a nice uh, nice lease, maybe like, I don't know, like a land lease maybe, or maybe like one with a very high maintenance. Well, the, Like the a $5,000 maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe but you they don't have good. a lot of amenities. I know the yeah. land lease building. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, true, so then you just have to make sure that they really just don't want the amenities. They don't know that 
that they don't know that want yeah. them. Yeah. They don't know that they don't want them. <laughs> you give them the but, stats but on how many people buy it, into it and never go and to the never pool. Never use well, them exactly. Well, that's the other thing. Aside from my comments to Park Views and 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 Riverview customers, when they tell me they need all of these things, I look at them and I say, "Do you really?" Yes. And they kind of look at me and say, "Well, why ask me that question?" Do you have a gym membership? Yes. Okay. So that wipes the gym out of the building. Do, do you, you go? Do you go swimming <laughs> no. like on a regular basis? No, not really, but it's nice to have. How often are you going to sit on the rooftop? Mm, oh, a lot. Okay. You check in with them six months later? Never used it once. Never used anything. Been in the pool yet. Never use anything. But there's something for everybody. My amenity, Vince Rocco's amenity, is Equinox. That's all I need to know. <laughs> I don't need to have it in my building. I like to go and be with people. Can, all right. Is the South Bronx sizzling? I love this. I've been asking this question outside of this radio program for the last week because I had a meeting up with the uh, the local government up there, um, the borough president's office, last week uh, on some projects upcoming potentially. But the buzz is the South Bronx is sizzling. Is it true? Yes. Um, I've been hearing little bits and pieces from different broker friends. To name one hosted friend of ours, um, Jeff Krantz. Um, we were having a conversation about how a lot of his developers who like to sort of deal with emerging markets and fringe markets um, are really coming to him over and over again, wanting to see if he can be the expert in Bronx. And he's, you know, I think he's really trying to tee himself up to do that. There's an mm-hmm. awful lot of waterfront up there in that yeah. South Bronx area that obviously is prime for development, just like anywhere else in New York City. My only concern is the transportation or lack of there is, I think, maybe the four goes somewhere there, but I don't the know. Four, that a lot they're they're actually there. doing they do. something yeah. with the Metro North. I, I heard a whisper buzz. You're correct. And I did it's hear that actually too. really exciting because I actually live close to that area. So I'm really gotcha. excited about it. Yep. Okay. Here's one that, that, you know, I laughed kind of when I when I was writing this down last week, the, earlier this week. Is a typical buyer, typical buyer, aware of his closing costs before he signs a contract, I don't care if it's a co-op or a condo. If, if he has a good me, broker, yeah, exactly. Very good, the Rachel. First day I meet, <laughs> yeah. first day I meet a buyer or a seller, Thank I you. bring That's them a exactly sheet what I want yes. of closing costs. Thank you. And yeah. I've actually, instead of using the ones that a lot of people carry around, I actually made up my own because there are things for separate for co-ops, separate for condos, to make it more personalized for their purchasing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Brilliant. you also have it's to so remind to them that. because yeah. you can give them the sheet and you can say it. Mm-hmm. But at, even if the contract's out, you may want to remind them. And I, I like to use percentages because, you know, mm-hmm. yes, you can say mansion tax. You can say this, that and the other, trans, yeah. you know, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you say new development can be four to five percent, they go, oh, yep. Or a new development that Versus has two co-op. months of common yep. of uh, common charges mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in addition to fill up the reserve Working fund. Working capital that, fund. Yes, and, that's and brand all, new. Yeah, and they're going, yeah. what? What? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the abatement thing we're not going to have so many more issues with. But I agree. I think seasoned brokers do things like what we're talking mm-hmm. about. You just learn your lesson. Yeah. Like having the financial conversation mm-hmm. way up front. Yeah. <laughs> Versus new brokers tend yeah. to just want the customers. So they just don't ask questions mm-hmm. sometimes. And uh Things like abatements as well. You know, I take it. It's it's fun to educate people, and I get, like, really into it. But then I send the follow-up email, and everything I said is in writing as well. And then I kind of send it again. <laughs> you know, later on during the relationship, like you're saying, you just keep reminding people. Because people get this thing in their head about abatements. I had one guy at a closing table once go, I thought there was never going to be taxes. 
We almost didn't close. What world does he live in? And yeah. the attorney who you know, Jay, you know, Jay Kemp, stood up and went, no, Ivy Ray is, and he just, everyone sung my praises, but this guy was, I'm going to have to pay taxes? I was like, not only did I not educate you as if you were in, like, you know, Real Estate 101 five times, <laughs> sent you an email. I mean, it was... So people, that just sounds like buyer's remorse to me. If, yeah. if it wasn't that, it'd be something else. Yeah, I feel well, like. thank God for his son yeah. and, mm-hmm. and boy, if they're listening, I'm so um, screwed. Son and the wife. Last, <laughs> one last question because we're running out of time already. Don't know about you all, but as soon as the weather starts heating up, and hopefully it will indeed, we begin daydreaming about summer barbecues. I know I do. Mm. Is firing up burgers and hot dogs here in this town legal? What are the rules here? Only sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and only in some buildings. And uh, and there are definitely, you know, a lot of uh, not-so-legal barbecues that people have out on their decks for sure. Um, there's rules. I can't remember off the top exactly what they are, but it's about a certain square footage and certain distance from the actual building wall that you can actually use a grill. And then you can only have certain types and not others. And right. the reason, because we live in a very dense city and, you know, gas grills and things can blow up. They do in the country. So you can just imagine the catastrophe if they blow up on terraces or balconies here in New York City. So there are yeah. reasons for the rules. It is very sure. important. We are at a time... Once again, I want to say thank you to everybody at Voice America for this fantastic year of broadcasting here at Good Morning New York. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. We are happy to be here. We, we will be back next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. live, 6 a.m. Pacific time. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website, uh, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.